Happy Sunday. Um, turn in your scriptures to Matthew chapter uh, 6. It's also printed in your bulletins as well. We're doing a series called Walking by Faith. And we started the series with uh, three sermons from Matthew because we wanted to look at um, three essential activities in the life of faith. Fasting, um, walk, uh, living without anxiety. That's a faith exercise, right? As well as prayer. And these three things are like important things for us to know. How do you even do this? What's the point and how do you do it? And now next week, we're going to transition to Hebrews. And we're going to look at uh, the um, uh, Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, which talks about the dynamics of walking by faith. And one of the reasons that we're doing this is that we are in transition as a church. Um, our current lease is coming to an end. We are praying for God to provide a building for us. And I believe that this is just but one way that God is training us to walk by faith because eventually he's going to provide space for us to worship and carry out our, carry out our mission. And then he's going to give us a new thing to trust him for. And this is all about our intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that gets exercised in moments where we really need him to come through for us. All right, so let's talk about prayer this morning. Do you feel guilty about prayer? You feel like this is something that you should do more, another should in your life. Um, I want to talk about the invitation of prayer. When was the last time you received an invitation? Have you been invited over to someone's house recently? Have you been invited to a Cubs game recently and said you don't have to pay for your ticket? What about an employer who invites you to join their team? Or a romantic interest that invites you to date exclusively? Um, what about um, an outlet or a gallery that invites you to display your work? When was the last time you got invited somewhere to a relationship, to a, to a project? What about when was the last time that you extended the invitation? An invitation to come over to your place, to your apartment, or an invitation to share a conversation, or an invitation for shared project or shared commitment? Have you extended an invitation recently? An invitation communicates something very powerful. That's this. I want to share some of my life with you. Would you like to share some of your life with me? And I would say that most of us probably would like to hear that more often. Most of us would like to get more invitations in our life, even if we can't say yes to them. When we get an invitation, we feel seen, we feel known, we feel included. And that touches a place very deep in our souls. One writer on The Spiritual Life says this about invitations. Quote, one of the reasons I love a good invitation is that I get tired of being told what to do. Amen? With a true invitation, this person writes, there is no coercion, no forcing, no guilting, just an open-hearted welcome and the freedom to say yes or no. Most people would probably say, I'd love more invitations and fewer people telling me what to do. Now, Jesus Christ, in his teaching this morning, is going to offer an invitation to draw near to God in prayer. And from Jesus, we're going to see that we are seen and loved and wanted and invited into a close relationship with his Father. There's no forcing, there's no guilting, just a straightforward invitation to enter the Father's house, sit at the Father's table. There's a chair waiting for us. He wants to talk to us. There's a conversation. 
that the Father would like to have with you? Did you know that? And he's going to invite us. And he's also going to teach us how to do the inviting. He will show us how to invite the Father to make himself known in our world. And we're not going to be coercing God or telling him what to do. We're going to be inviting him to to reveal himself. So really, there's two parts to this message. The one invitation is the Father's and Jesus's invitation to hide ourselves, actually, to hide ourselves in the Father and in the Father's world. But then the second part of the invitation is for us to invite God to reveal himself in our world. And we need both. We need to be able to hide ourselves in God. And we need him to make his goodness known in our world, to reveal himself in our world. So let's look at the first part, an invitation to hide ourselves in the Father's world. Matthew 6, starting with verse 5. Here's Jesus instructing us how to pray. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now here, Jesus is going to warn us against praying as a way to get noticed, just as another way for people to go, yay, good job, you're a special person. The hypocrites of Jesus's day were the play actors. This is a, a, like a very specific, it's almost like a vocation, people who, um, who, who act for a living, and that's a good and right vocation. But here he's saying like, don't pray theatrically. If you're praying theatrically, you're not praying, you're just putting on a show. You're just in a play that happens to include prayer. But the whole point of it is to get you attention. And that's actually not prayer at all. Um, you know, we all actually love to be noticed. And there's a need to be noticed that we have. Being seen feels good. Being seen also has a reward. Because when people notice us, that leads to invitations. To hang out. To get hired. Doors open if we get noticed. If we're not, I mean, if you have ever been in a job search, you know that you've got to have some measure of visibility, don't you? You've got to be able to be seen. Otherwise, you're just one sliver in a stack of resumes never to be gone through. Jesus acknowledges that raising our profile has a reward. He says they have received their reward, that, that you know, in their time, there was a social reward for praying in the right way with the right intonations. Being in, being in the right spot in the street corner. And you know, Jesus is actually not saying you can never pray publicly. He himself prayed publicly sometimes, but he wasn't doing it for the purpose of being seen. You see, these people Jesus is talking about, they appear to be praying, but they haven't really connected with God. They haven't prayed. They haven't walked by faith. They're still operating on the basic principles of the world, which is publicity and power. And performance, these things have, uh, they have some power in our world, but it's not prayer. And Jesus is going to say, hey, don't play that game. I've got a better way for you. And the better way is described in verse six. When you pray, go into your room. And this word you can translate, you know, essentially broom closet. Seriously. It's a very, very, it's the smallest room in a small house, um, and he says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Remember that phrase. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So the father is in secret, but also the father sees in secret 
And I just have to acknowledge the brilliance of Jesus Christ to use short phrases to describe rich, profound realities. Jesus tells us that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ dwells in secret. Consider this, my friends. This is the Almighty God. He's the creator of all things visible and invisible. He's the fountain of life. He's the source of all goodness. This Father sits on a mighty throne, surrounded by peals of thunder and elders worshiping him forever and archangels and angels surrounding the throne. Living creatures, he's worshiped forever by saints who give him glory, honor, and praise. And yet, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all, dwells in secret. Isn't that amazing? What does that mean? That means that to our eyes, he's unseen. We cannot see the Father. His ways are often unseen to us also. We don't always know what he's doing. There's tons of things happening in our world and in the heavenly realm that we don't see. Now, Jesus describes his kingdom a lot, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven as a mustard seed that's hidden in the ground um, that, that no one sees for a while. And that kingdom, that mustard seed kingdom is made up of all kinds of people who are like that mustard seed. They're like buried in the dirt, as it were. Um, people described in the Beatitudes, the hungry, the meek, the sad, people who long for the world to be made right, the falsely accused. It's made up of, of secret mustard seed acts of justice and mercy. It's made up of people sharing the gospel in ways that to them feel kind of weak and, and not having much power. God dwells in secret. He's humble, my friends. God is humble. He's glorious, yet he's humble. He's not a bragger. Yet he doesn't need to brag. He doesn't need to show off. He's not a hypocrite. Isn't that refreshing to know? God is not a bragger. He's not a hypocrite. He invites, but he never coerces. And we are invited to join him in his secrecy and have a genuine conversation with the Father. No one is judging our prayers. Isn't that refreshing? We can go into the secret place with the Father and no one is like watching to see how godly are you? They're just not there at all. It's just us and the Father having a real conversation. Without all the people watching, we are free to say exactly what we mean, right? Because his secret place, it's like an easy yoke for us. We're able to just pour our hearts out to him, to spill our guts. Here's what I really want, think, need, value. And, and the Father listens, and, and he's listening compassionately, and he's drawing near to us. The thing is that Jesus says he doesn't just dwell in secret, but he sees in secret. Isn't that cool? That he sees in secret. Now, what does that mean? That means that our Father can see everything, including the things that other people miss. He's in the classical theological language, omniscient. He sees everything. I was recently talking with a colleague about how sometimes our greatest contributions in this life are the things that people will never really see. Um, and uh, it's like, you know, the hours that you invest in a project that, that no one watches you invest, as well as the heart with which you invest. 
your energy into that project. People don't see it. People don't see the hidden battle to endure a health challenge. Most people don't see most of that challenge. And yet there you are giving your heart and soul to not giving into despair. Um, what about advocating on someone's behalf when they're not in the room and they have no idea you ever did that? You open a door for someone vocationally, they have no idea. What about the luxuries that you've given away, that you've given up so that you could give away more money? No one's going to see that. Or what about the, the protection that you offer people so that they could be safe, but they, know, they never know to thank you? Or what about when you, the last time you extended an invitation to your neighbors or your friends, you stayed up late washing the dishes after they left? But they didn't even know, they didn't see it, right? I would venture that many of us would, many of you here, would love to have some appreciation for some of the things that you've done. Um, and I want to say that the Father sees you. He sees in secret. He sees everything. And he actually welcomes you to draw near to him in secret to reward you with his friendship, with his encouragement for every blessing that is yours in Jesus Christ. Jesus encourages us to go into the room, shut the door when we pray. As I mentioned, this is an extremely small room for a hidden, humble conversation with the Father. Now, for us, that could be, that could be anywhere that is somewhat set apart. It could be um, your sunroom in your Chicago apartment. It could be a park where you walk every day. And it could be a broom closet underneath the stairs. It could be a bench. It could be, um, you know, maybe it's in your backyard in the summer. Or maybe it is in um, your bedroom in the winter. We choose a space. We invite the Holy Spirit to set it apart. And that's where we go on a daily basis or even a couple times a day to go be with the Father. It's like this is where we have our conversation with the Father. This is where we go hide ourselves. This is where we are actually relieved from the pressure of showing off, relieved from the pressure of publicity, relieved from the pressure of having to say the right thing in the right way to be with a father who understands us. Now, um, there's a second temptation, actually. After we overcome the first temptation to impress other people, there's another, once we're there with the father, we're tempted to sort of try to impress God. And Jesus references this um, in verse seven and eight. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Friends, the heart of prayer is not a formula, not a prayer formula, although sometimes it's helpful to have a plan. The heart of prayer is not a magic incantation. It's not mimicking godly sounding vocal intonations or using the right liturgy, although we love liturgy. Jesus warns us against empty phrases and many words. And, and the reason he gives for this is that your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, one of my favorite qualities about my wife, Laura, um, is her talent for gift giving. Laura's an amazing gift giver, and I'll tell you why. It's because she's really observant. She notices people. She notices what they love, what stresses them out, what they enjoy doing, what their passions are. And she notices the little things that... Um, that get in the way of that. And so, for instance, my father-in-law um, likes to uh, fix engines and work in the garage even late at night. 
And, um, and so she noticed that like he would be fumbling with a flashlight as it got dark. And so she had this idea, I'm going to get him for, I think it was his birthday. I'm going to get him a headlamp. Just strap it around your head. You've got a light right there. Then you have two hands to work on the engine. And he didn't even know to ask for that. He wasn't even aware that that was like something that was frustrating him. But she noticed because she was watching and she was observing and she loves her dad. And he was like, wow, this is an amazing gift. And I've been the recipient of many of those kinds of gifts. You've been watching for years. And now you know what I really wanted. I didn't even know what I wanted. My friends, Jesus says your father knows what you need before you ask him. He's been paying attention. He's seeing you. He sees what excites you, frustrates you, makes you tick. He sees the burden that you're carrying. And and out of his generosity, out of his creativity, out of his compassion, he's ready to give you good gifts even before you ask him. And there's no need to impress him with lots of formulas. He's your father. He's humble and generous and his heart is for you always. I have a friend, um, close friend who ministers in a different region. He and I were talking a few weeks ago, just catching up. And he was telling me about, he was catching me up on a, a, a very uh, intense trial that he was in uh, with his ministry. It was uh, something that was threatening his ministry. It was the biggest threat his church had ever faced before. And the time when I talked to him before, he was really stressed about it. And I noticed that he was not as stressed when we were catching up about it this time around. And he said, well, here's something that happened. He said, I began to have uh, PTSD symptoms because of this trial I was going through. And my body was reacting with, with physical reactions. I had so much anxiety. I was getting triggered. I was, um, I, all kinds of things, it would, it would just trigger me. And so, um, but he kept going, he kept pastoring, kept shepherding. Then he went through the Holy Week services and he just went through each of the Holy Week services as a, as a worshiper and as a pastor. And he, and he felt the presence of God, felt the presence of God. And by the end of Holy Week, he realized, uh, my anxiety is gone. My PTSD is gone. And then he realized like how much of a burden he was carrying. He didn't even know to ask God to take it away. He just thought he was just living life. Then he realized. God actually gave me a, a very significant emotional, even physical healing, and I didn't even know to ask for it. My friend took up the invitation to hide himself in the Father. Uh, not for a specific outcome, although outcomes are important. But he just hid himself in the Father's world, and the Father, out of his generosity, took care of him. That's the kind of Father that we have. That's the kind of Father that Jesus invites us to go see in secret. The father saw his burdened soul, saw the stress he was carrying, saw the people he was serving and rewarded him before you can even ask for a reward. And that's what the father will do for us as well. Charles Spurgeon once said this, to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. I'll say it again. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. And Jesus invites us into that storehouse, into that secret place, into the Father's world. Even as we say yes to that invitation, we're also called to give an invitation. And that invitation that we give is we invite the Father to reveal himself in our world. We invite the Father to reveal himself in our world. Jesus instructed us uh, to pray like this. This is. Um, Verses nine and following, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our Father dwells in secret, our Father sees in secret, our Father rewards in secret, and He's so very humble. But my friends, don't you long for this good God to reveal Himself in our world? Don't you long for the secret and hidden goodness of God to be shown in ways that people can't see right now? Don't you long, my friends, for that mustard seed of the kingdom of God to break forth and burst out of the soil of this world and grow into that mighty tree for people to see and take shelter in and find shade? My friends, don't you long for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? Don't you yearn for the meek to inherit the earth once and for all, for the peacemakers to finally be blessed, for the poor in spirit to be given the kingdom of God? Don't you long for the Father to send his spirit to renew the face of the earth, for the good news of the gospel to be preached, for the sick to be healed, for the anxious to be given peace, for the lonely to be set in families? Don't you long for those who are in spiritual danger my friends, to be saved. Don't you long for the serpent's head to be crushed once and for all and for his kingdom to fall? I long for the trumpet to sound and for the kingdom of this world to become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and for him to reign forever and ever. That's my prayer. I want the Father to reveal himself in our world. We have an opportunity, Jesus tells us, to lock arms as brothers and sisters and to pray something very significant, a prayer that God will answer. We lock arms with our brothers and sisters and we pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We set apart and hallow your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will is done in heaven. Your name's hallowed in heaven. Your kingdom has come in heaven. We are praying for that reality to extend to earth through us, through your people. Reveal yourself, Lord. Could we begin to invite the Father to reveal himself in our own need? One of my favorite things about uh, Abraham Lincoln is that even as he was uh, leading the nation through its hardest trial, which was the Civil War and the division over slavery, Abraham Lincoln uh, not only provided high-level leadership to the United States of America, do you know what he also did in the middle of the Civil War? He had office hours. I'm serious. Where anybody from the United States could come to the White House, line up, and thousands of people would line up, and they would enter the office of the President of the United States, and they would ask him for things. And they would ask him for, I mean, one lady asked him for help with a mortgage payment. Many people wrote him letters or came to him in person asking for pardon for themselves or for loved ones who had transgressed some uh, military um, rule that they were, they were going to be executed. And they were asking Abraham Lincoln to pardon these soldiers. They asked him for food. They asked him for help. They asked him for soldiers to be released from service so they could serve their families. And Abraham Lincoln listened to them with compassion and mercy and grace, and he didn't just lead the nation through the Civil War and lead um, people to a place of healing after great division on a high level. He did it on a very personal level 
because he realized that the healing was going to come person by person, situation by situation, conflict by conflict, one healing moment at a time. And that's how his leadership was revealed in the world. Our father is similar, that he has a kingdom that is grand, that is vast. He has a plan that is, uh, is amazing and sweeping, but also he knows that his kingdom comes one situation at a time, right? One need met at a time, one conflict resolved at a time, um, one tender word spoken at a time, one mortgage payment uh, supplied at a time. He knows that this is the way that his kingdom comes. And so Jesus instructs us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread, praying for provision and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, uh, as we forgive those who are indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Can you imagine inviting the father into each of these situations in your life and say, would you please reveal yourself, reveal your kingdom in the exact places where I am in pain, where I am in need. We're sending out Michael and Kayla Parker uh, this Sunday to be our second missionary couple to be sent out from Emmanuel Anglican. We're going to miss them so much, aren't we? Michael and Kayla told me something that they did a few months ago as they were praying for God to supply all of their needs. They're, they're, they're going to become full-time uh, missionaries with InterVarsity, serving on two different college campuses in New Mexico. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're moving, you have a lot of needs. When you're going to full-time ministry, you have a lot of needs. And one of the ways to walk by faith is to trust God to meet those needs, even as you go through your process. And so they put something on their refrigerator, and it was a list of everything that they needed God to provide for them. Um, Everything from financial provision to practical provision, it was like, get as granular as you want, and they put it on their fridge. And do you know what they told us on Wednesday night over dinner? They said God has provided everything on that list except for the provision of an apartment. And then we found out after that evening, God provided the apartment too. Is that amazing? Praise God. Give us this day our daily bread. This is how God loves to reveal his heart, reveal his will, reveal his kingdom, is in all these humble ways. Can we begin to invite the Father into our worst case scenario? Some of us are really battling anxiety right now. We are really anxious about something and it has got us, uh, it's got us riled up. It's taking lots and lots of our energy. Can we, in, can we imagine inviting the Father, Father, reveal your will into this anxious situation, into this anxious moment, into, into the anxiety that we carry in our bodies every day? Would you be our good shepherd? Would you reveal yourself? Would you deliver us from evil? You know, the amazing fact is that the one who taught us to pray, my friends, in this way was God revealing himself in our world. Jesus is our daily bread, sustaining our souls into everlasting life. Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins. As he displayed the mercy of God on the cross, Jesus is the one who fights for us now and the one who will finally deliver us from evil and bring us to the Father forever. Jesus is the one who this morning not only teaches us to pray, um, but is the one who reveals the face of God to us. And he offers us the ultimate invitation. And his invitation is this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that is the door of our hearts and the door of our church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him or her and eat with them 
and he or she will eat with me. My friends, receive this invitation. Invite the Lord Jesus to help you pray, teach you to pray, and bring you to the Father's heart. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take a moment of prayer. Consider the teachings of Jesus. And I invite you to give the Lord one way where you are asking him to reveal himself in your own life. One situation where you need him. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us set apart a place where we can dwell in secret with you, be relieved of the burden of having to perform, and to be with you in that secret place of prayer. We pray also that you would send your spirit and allow us to pray as brothers and sisters for your kingdom to come in our midst as it is in heaven. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.